Well, hello. Hello, everyone. Crikey, yell into the microphone, well, why don't you? <laughs> just too, too much tea. <laughs> Welcome back. Season two is officially well underway. Well underway. We're still here. Still, yep, st- still here, still going, still Locked recording. Our, our den. It's, I, I thought Endeavoring we called it the to... Temple of Peace. I did call it the Temple of Peace last time, didn't I? It, it is a, more of a recording studio den. This week, we are going to be talking reforestation and rewilding, bringing some of that nature back to our great nation. <laughs> <laughs> back to our planet, really. Back to our planet <laughs> and all the other great nations around the world. <laughs> Nicely saved, Lloyd. Thank Nicely you. Nicely saved. Okay, let's kick off then with our regular our regular starting point. What one good thing have you done this week? Um, what one good thing have I done this week? Uh, recently, uh, my girlfriend and I have been doing a lot of beach walks. Oh, romantic. So she is fantastic at picking up uh, bits of litter as we go. Very nice. Um, but obviously I can't just piggyback on, on her being a good person. No, you good can't. Person. You've um, got to I've be ordered your own some, separate good person. I've ordered uh, a litter grabber. A litter, like one of those like pincers on a mechanical arm? Yeah, because you... I, You've actually bought a litter picker. Well, on the Swansea seafront, there are um, like those sandwich boards uh, with sort of litter pickers in oh, a little pocket yes, and the bags next to them yeah. but um quite often they are at the wrong end of the beach to where we are and also you got to go back to the same spot to bring it back True. so i just thought i'd get my own and we okay like whenever we go walk walk the dog take it with us that's true pick up a few bits and bobs okay a little beach clean i'm sorry i mocked sorry. this sounds excellent thank you great well done thank you very much swansea beach thanks you for it i'm sure and i thank you swansea beach <laughs> anyway what have you what have you been up to um i refer you to the lunch we had a few moments ago i cooked you a veggie burger we had yes, a ve- we did. had a veggie veggie burgers for lunch as opposed to uh you know traditional meat burgers so that's that was which me. was lovely that, yeah. that's a reflection on my current uh diet in that following oh. a lot of our research i'm eating a lot less meat yes very good and it wasn't it wasn't too bad was it actually it was lovely it was, it was I really an right it. burger you and make then, a good oven veggie burger. I mean, I didn't make them, but you for sure. I, cook, I mean, I turned the oven burger. on and I served you a veggie burger. But that doesn't really feel like very much. So I'm going to I'm gonna join this in with the second thing that I've sort of done. Still oh, on the vegetable on theme. Okay, go on. Okay, so in my house, or my garden even, I've converted one of the parts of the garden into a soon-to-be vegetable patch. I've seen it. It's very Which nice. is very exciting. It's, it doesn't look very exciting at the moment. It's just a lot of earth. But I'm prepping it for the spring growing season. And I've also made a my, made my own compost bin out of um, bits of wood from my parents redid their kitchen over the summer. So there was lots of wood left in my dad's Such workshop. Such a well-rounded individual. You can cook <laughs> veggie burgers. You can make compost bins. So, yeah, so we've got a compost bin and it's got a lid with a hinge on and everything. It's great. So by the time the spring growing system com- se- season comes around, I'll uh, hopefully have some nice compost to put on my veggies. I'm jealous of you and your compost. Yeah. Well and done. then next time I give you a veggie burger, it'll be from my garden. Maybe. That's a bold promise. Look out for season four when we will Se- test that. Season four? <laughs> well, you've got, you got to leave some time to It's a long way away. Practice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. Jerry, crack we, on. Yeah. What are we talking about this week? We're talking about... We're talking about reforestation. reforestation and rewilding lovely jubbly let's start with let's start with reforestation let's yes, go let's. with the trees why tell our lovely listeners what that might mean so so reforestation is the act of 
replenishing our forest stocks, right? So areas where there once was lots of trees and then most likely because of us, us we there are no trees for a bit um, and, and so it's replanting them in areas where they once were. So in general, quite a lot of the idea around doing this is for carbon storage, which is quite exciting because there was this... Um, this big report, lots of reports came out this summer about how, you know, if we planted an absolute beep ton of trees across the world, <laughs> uh, we could make nice. a really good impact on um, on the, the carbon makeup of our atmosphere and mitigate yep. some climate change stuff. Right. So then suddenly loads of research was poured into like, OK, well, where could we plant trees? Why could we plant trees and all of this good stuff? Um so here's a, here's a fun little fact for you. Well, it might not be very fun, but I think it's a bit fun. I'm sure I'll find it fun. I hope you find it fun. Um, to save the planet and to contribute to the saving of the planet um, by reforestation, the UK would need to plant, it's estimated, three billion trees. Three billion trees by 2050. That's a lot. That's, That's a lot of trees. Many, 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 many trees. Quite a lot of trees. And the UK Committee on Climate Change has said that the UK needs to increase its woodland. Currently, we've got 13% uh, of the country is covered in woodland, and that would need to increase to 17% of the country, which doesn't actually sound like very much, does it? It doesn't. To so when be you compare fair, that to the 3 billion figure, it sounds a bit less ambitious. A lot of land, which is, well, I suppose quite often when people think of uh, nature mm. in Britain, they might actually think of like uh, countryside and farmland, which isn't technically. Farmland, not quite so natural Wild no nature, so is it? there is i mean i'm sure the farmers would object to planting lots and lots of trees in the land uh, without asking them first but <laughs> there is a lot of land where we could do that in theory yeah so are, are there particular areas they are looking at uh replanting trees yeah there's a lot of work going on for like um figuring out a where has the space um and then some trees for example work better on virgin ground whereas some trees work better or are better suited anyway than others to um, ground where we've already had buildings and turned it into like a brownfield site and things. Um, but I think um, post-Brexit, some subsidies are going to come in or are being talked about coming in, which will help support farmers who, um, instead of having agriculture um, or, or kind of meat farming or dairy farming, um, could convert their land into woodland and could use their kind of their land as a site for reforestation. But I don't, I don't think that's 100% confirmed. It's actually the UK um, is one of the most deforested parts of Europe, apart from Ireland, I think. Really? Yeah, we're really bad. Uh, well, Industrial Revolution. Oh, yeah. Um, Massive urbanisation. The building of uh, frigates and galleons back in the day when we had a, you know, oh, an old style Navy. Old we levelled huge amounts of, of trees. Oh, that's a very good point. Um and we never quite recovered from that. So, like, as we were saying earlier, like a lot of it's been turned over into working mm. land um, or, or urban sites, or urban sites, towns and cities. There's um, a campaign as well called Rewilding Britain. Okay. Part of that is reforestation. Uh, it's a non-profit organisation. Yeah. Um, which is looking to return a lot of Britain to a more natural state, a more natural habitat. Yeah, because we used to be very much woodland, didn't we? As, yes. uh, like back in the olden, olden days, of really olden, olden days. days. I think to determine or to call something an ancient woodland now, it has to be, it has to have been untouched since like 1600s. Is that right? Something like that. Um, and only about 2% of Britain. So there can't be much still, that is. Yeah, it's still ancient woodland. But this Rewilding Britain plan wants to create 2 million more hectares, um, of new woodland 
and two million hectares of species rich meadows as well yes uh, so it's a case of balancing when we're reforesting it's it's not a case of just trees crafting it's it's other um bits and bobs around them. other green space <laughs> Well, so I think one of the things why we're all suddenly so interested in in reforestation in particular at the moment is obviously it's, it's carbon capture potential. So trees are a quarter of a tree is carbon, effectively, if we're looking at what they're made up of. Um, and as they grow, um, a tree will absorb four times its body weight in carbon, mm. which is kind of great. But then when it's burnt or it's biodegrades or, or it's, it's broken down, it releases four times its body weight in carbon. So although trees are, are quite slow growing, over the lifetime of growing a forest, it can sequester enough that scientists are super excited about how much it could take out of the atmosphere. Oh, wow. That's a really good fact. So basically, everyone, grow a tree in your garden. Lloyd, do you have a garden? Um, no, I live in a flat. So so no garden? <laughs> so no garden. So I can't replant anything, unfortunately. But, dear listeners, you can, if you have a garden, you don't have to ask permission um, of anyone to grow a massive tree which is quite exciting yes. however i'm going to preface this with saying please do your research if you live in a tiny house or t have a tiny garden do not plant an oak tree right next to your house because the foundations of something like an, or the foundations of the house are going to be at risk from this oak tree because they're very strong and they have huge root systems so if you do want to do your part and maybe grow a tree or two do a bit of research about where you're going to put it and try and put it somewhere where it's not going to disrupt things. Because we want it to be 20 a, years when these oak trees have grown. Tree. They'll exactly. just trace all of these random trees back to this podcast. Oh, God. Ah, that, that might not be such a bad thing if, we, if we've if we contributed to the, the reforestation of the UK. But but if you, if you do have a small garden, things like apple trees are really productive to plant because they don't grow quite so massive. And then you also, you know, get a nice little crop of apples. So if you yeah. if you were interested in doing a little bit in your garden you could do that which i find quite exciting do we know anything about the different types of trees sequestering carbon like d d does the amount they sequester vary by species probably um you've caught me out there there's a hole in <laughs> oh, my <no>. research <laughs> that wasn't my intention <laughs> well i'll have to have a google and then put it on uh, put it on social media when we find the answer or if anyone knows please tweet us i'd actually quite like to know that yeah, I don't know. I guess it maybe depends on like the rate of growth and the lifespan of a tree. Yeah. Like how are you calculating it? Like carbon per year? Or I wonder if it's been like bamboo. Would be... I don't know because that's very fast growing, isn't it? it was, yeah. But it's not. It's not like hugely substantial if you look at like oh, good. Yeah. a great tree trunk. I would and like the root networks as well. You forget how much carbon stored in root networks. It's not just tree trunks, is it? Interesting. It's it's almost like we should have researched this before we started recording. <laughs> it was a terribly good question that I was completely underprepared for. <laughs> So we're also not saying just like bung trees everywhere, right? We've no. got all these like massive figures of like, you have to have X amount of trees and that will save the world. And it seems great, sounds lovely, but you can't just put trees anywhere and everywhere and assume that that's going to be, you know, the be all and end all. Yeah, I mean, there are some more artificial forests that have been planted in the last couple of decades um, in the UK, which are just very straight rows of trees for quite a few acres. And that tends not to be so good in the long run. No, these kind of forest plantations. Because... With monocultures and lack of biodiversity. Yeah, you're sort of missing an opportunity to do more, like I said, to encourage more biodiverse mm. landscapes, which 
can have valuable ecological functions yeah. as a whole. But we'll get on to I did read the actually hold it later. Yeah, with that, um, it's it's actually much easier to get funding, unfortunately, for projects like that, because if you're pitching for funding, it's so much easier to say, "Listen, I'd like the money to plant 500 oak trees," than it is to say, "I'd like the um, money to just let this patch of ground do its thing and try and help it regenerate yeah. itself." So unfortunately, those are the projects that are getting um, a lot more support financially at the moment. That is a shame. Yeah. But I mean, they're still good. It's still good that they're being done, I would say. It's better than but nothing. Then, yeah. Yeah. But there's also, you know, you've got to be careful about where you put these trees, not just next to your house. Um, I'm saying you've got to be careful as in like the powers that be that are planting <laughs> or planning these uh, these tree projects. So obviously we um we have a lot of environments which don't lend themselves to trees like peat bogs in the uk we've mentioned this a little bit before um our peatlands and our peat bogs have so much carbon in them in the soil and stored that if you introduce trees to the area um the overall amount of carbon that that ecosystem takes in is less because the peat will will take in and store more carbon yep. than you would necessarily have stored in the trees so leave our peat bogs alone has put that trees been somewhere else a problem in the part like i've as that have there been examples of people trying to plant like manually plant trees manually uh, artificially <laughs> like grow an area on peat bogs uh not that i can recall an exact example of however um along a similar vein this is happening in the arctic so instead of a peat bog they've got like tundra which works the same like there's loads and loads of carbon like frozen in the ground um and as that thaws more and more trees are able to grow in this very carbon heavy peat there's a lot more kind of fungal activity. There's a lot more like processes which are breaking down and decomposing all the stuff that's in the soil than you would normally get. As So as the trees grow, all of that carbon that's been locked away in this soil that's, that's super carbon heavy is released into the atmosphere. And then as the trees grow, they don't put as much carbon underground and into their root systems as would be stored in the first place if that area was still Tundra, you're looking at me like I'm explaining this, like I'm a right idiot. <laughs> Did that make any sense? <laughs> stop, stop laughing at me. <laughs> Listeners, please tell me that made sense. It didn't, did it? No, it did. did that Sorry, make sense? I, I'm, I'm on the post-lunch. <laughs> you're veggie burger and you're ready for a nap. It was a great veggie, yeah, it was great. But, but do, do you get what I mean? Like, so that, that environment, it's all about where the carbon is stored. Yes. So, in the Amazon rainforest, I mean, that's a whole other topic. We can get onto logging and the rainforest and the fires another day. But in, in places like tropical forests, all of the carbon in that ecosystem is stored in the trees. Very little is actually stored in the soil because it gets broken down so, so I quickly by, okay. by, like, by bugs and microbes and stuff. Whereas in the Arctic, where, where you've got loads of carbon that's locked away in the soil that hasn't been touched for, for decades, um, as soon as you start introducing tree life and other forms of like microbial growth... That all gets released. Yeah. So we don't want trees in some places, and one of those places is the Arctic, and again with peat. Like careful management. Yeah, careful exactly. Trees. Lots of planning, lots of planning. But I just thought that was quite interesting because yeah, a lot of people, I think, would myself included, just think, "Great, well, there's no trees there. Put them there." That it's would almost be like you've recently been to a. Yeah, I may or may not have studied this while I was, <laughs> while, I was while I was in the Arctic. While you were but, off you know, in Sweden. While I was off in Sweden, yeah. But I met some really cool teams out there. But the other thing about trees in the Arctic, oh, you've got me off on one oh, now. Oh, go on. Um, is it, you know, the Arctic, because it's normally white and it's covered in snow for the majority of winter, it's got a huge, like, reflective um, 
property to it. So it reflects loads and loads of the sun's heat back out into the atmosphere. So as more trees grow in the Arctic because it's warming, that snow cover is punctuated. It's no longer just like white, flat snow cover because as soon as you put trees in it, it stops becoming quite so white. So we're getting less and less able to reflect loads of the sun's heat back from the Arctic as that kind of white cap. That's quite um, a cool little fact. It is quite a cool little fact, but it's quite sad because more trees are growing in the Arctic. So it's this horrible like snowballing effect. I see, yeah. So anyway, trees elsewhere, good. Trees Arctic, bad. Trees Arctic, actually really quite bad. That's like my big Ooh. takeaway from what I learned this summer. Everyone's worried about trees in the Arctic. So, so yeah, it's all about the careful management and... Um, to use my favourite words again, a, a holistic view. You love a good holistic of, view. Don't I, I you? love a good holistic view of the whole ecosystem function. Yes, and that's precisely the point. So that takes us on very neatly to rewilding, rewilding. doesn't it? So, so the act of actually taking care of a whole ecosystem, not just throwing some trees up and reforesting yep. trees, which t- brings into uh, things like species introduction, controlling grazers. Um, or or not, but get, getting to a point where the the landscape, that ecosystem can almost take care of itself, mm. uh, which might take some time. So there are some really um, nice examples of large-scale rewilding projects and some smaller-scale ones too. Um, Got some nice case studies. Famous, yeah, quite a famous one is the re- reintroduction of wolves into yellowstone national park in the u.s and so they had hundreds of wolves in yellowstone um when man first arrived or like sorry western man first arrived um back in the day back in the day they very quickly hunted the wolves to to, um not extinction but to eradication in that area gosh and of course in the that was around the 1920s and then in the 1990s, um, they began reintroducing, reintroducing, reintroducing wolves to Yellowstone <laughs> okay. to try and control the elk population. Oh, were they just running amok? Running amok. Is it causing a mock or a muck? Many elk. Many <laughs> elk. So that their population wasn't being controlled. They yeah, were just so, going um, absolutely nuts without very an much overgrazing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, overgrazing of the landscape and uh, erosion of shrubbery and things like that and stopping certain shrubs and trees from growing because of this grazing. So they introduced wolves and there's an argument that it, it worked too well because the elk population went really low oh, and it gosh. sort of fluctuates a little bit around each other. But overall, yeah, great. There's also, since these introductions... Uh, they've seen things happen such as beavers begin to return oh, because uh, willow trees have been allowed to grow back oh, around uh, riverbanks. And the willow trees and the beavers kind of lead to redirectioning of the rivers. Oh, okay. They've fully and shifted some of these rivers, rivers and other areas. And it's, it's really changed oh, wow. the landscape. I mean, the, there's an, there are arguments that it wasn't just down to the wolves that there is a lot of other things going on there that you can't put just down to the wolves but it's it's a nice example of it contributing to this trophic cascade oh um, what a lovely oh, phrase this sort of top down or can sometimes be a bottom up 
uh, effect yeah. from one species to the other. So didn't they um, didn't they do this with beavers in Scotland as well? Yeah, they started doing a controlled um, trial in Scotland to bring back beavers mm. onto our shores, which is quite lovely, I think. Very I nice. I think they brought them over from Norway. Oh, okay. Um, to, again, just try and um, get back to some more natural processes that used to happen. Yeah, make the landscape what it was before we buggered it all up. Precisely. Um, <laughs> so that started in Scotland. I think they're also starting to do some more or less regulated trials in, in Devon and elsewhere in the UK. Oh, great. And the numbers are really going up. And they are also looking at other uh, other species instructions in the UK as well. Yes. I mean, all across Europe as well. Um, like large mammal numbers have been increasing, which is cool. But in the UK, they were looking at uh, reducing lynx as well. Yeah, we're working on big cats, aren't we? Yeah. Um, understandably, I suppose, you get some trepidation from farmers. Yes. Who are worried about them killing livestock. From what I've seen, it's not really much of a worry because lynx are quite small anyway. Um, and in many ways, introducing things like lynx can help control pests. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, There's a place in Bristol, actually. I don't know if you've been. It opened this summer and they were all about like rewilding. And obviously, as you said, we used to have um, bigger carnivores and stuff uh really really back in the day um on our island and um so this this place in bristol is an extension of um bristol zoo the wild place project and they've called it bear wood and it's this it's a part of um an, a genuinely ancient um part of forest which hasn't been bothered and they've they've bought this and they're turning it into this um i think seven and a half hect hectare enclosure where they're, they're reintroducing um eurasian brown bears oh. and also um i think wolverines or wolves and they're going to have them in separate enclosures which are or not enclosures because they're kind of like massive hectare like really big i don't know paddock maybe would paddock be the right word yes but yeah. they're having their, them although they're separated they're going to have them next to each other so that they can kind of see and interact with each other but aren't necessarily allowed together yet and i think the idea is to possibly in the future see if they can coexist but first, they're just kind of reintroducing them into this area. So it allows people to go on what they call like a historical journey. And you can like be transported back in time to explore this ancient woodland, but also with some of the carnivores. Oh, that's and really some of the things Where that would that? have been there. That's in Bristol, oh. just outside of Bristol. What's the, what's the place called? Bearwood, I think it's called. But it's part of the Bristol like, Did you already say that? Place. Did I, did I miss? Possibly, but that's yeah. okay. We'll forgive. Just, just for listeners. <laughs> Bearwood. But um, but that's you know that's an example where they're still in enclosures, whereas the lynxes and things that are being released um, further north are, are being allowed to roam free and establish their own habitats. But there's a place in uh, West Sussex, I think it's called like the Nepa Estates or something, where they've sort of oh, yeah. done sort of a, a large, largish scale rewilding yeah, this is experiment cool. where they've kind of let it grow itself. See and what's going on. Apparently, it's in many ways it's sort of become like an African savanna in that it's it's quite uh low grass it's quite lush ah. and it, interestingly they bring in sort of talking about reintroducing species sometimes rewilding uses other species to try and fill the same ecological niche that ah. an extinct species would have played so rather than like these big oryx um or like more extinct cattle mm. grazing on these lands they've brought in like longhorn cattle and oh. um I can't remember what the species of horses, uh, unless we're forced to replace them to sort of fill the same job. Um, okay. And really early on, they were worried that it would sort of lead to just 
big forest taking over but actually what happens is that when you've got all these different species fulfilling their ecological niches their roles <laughs> um you lead to a much more biodiverse a much more species rich environment oh nice um and on the theme of introducing alternative species to fill the same ecological roles there was really interesting experiment which is still ongoing um in mauritius who are quite good at Ooh, get me to that field site i know it's, need a volunteer it's pretty cool they, they do it in swansea university they're partnered with the Doral wildlife trust in mauritius oh, great. um and one of the uh experiments they've been doing is on round island where they have reintroduced a species of giant tortoise Oh, because okay. there used to be a lot of giant tortoise in Mauritius. Uh, humans suck. We hunted them um, yes. to extinction in that area. Surprise, surprise. But what they found uh, is that without these large grazers, the ebony trees weren't dispersing properly. Because oh, what these tortoises okay. would do is it would be eat the seeds or Boot eat the fruit, along. sorry, yeah. and then travel to other part of the island and then poop it out and then they'd grow and that would impact other species other plant species growing around it and other species that rely on those plants ah so what they've done is replace it with the aldabra tortoise okay which comes from the seychelles and even though it's a different species it fulfills a very similar role and they're finding that actually some of the newly growing ebony trees on the island ah. have oh sorry so they found some fruit and some seeds on the island, which is definitely part of the digestive tract of these tortoises. So they Thank are. Thank you, tortoise the same Role. Great. It's very cool. So yeah, it's that not just really about cool. bringing particular wildlife back. It's about bringing back roles and the functions of an ecosystem, mm. which can have well really long or really wide-reaching effects. Yeah, restoring the balances that once were. Yeah. Um, there's an argument that a lot of these endeavors are have sort of outpaced the rate at which the science can back it up at times oh really um but overall it looks like a rewilding as a whole looks like a really promising avenue to go down and the key i think or i believe is that you need to get human populations on side yeah especially the uk where we're quite a nature depleted country yes. trying to convince people that we should probably have these functions back on our shores and these animals back on our shores is quite difficult to do yeah but they uh, these sort of species interactions can actually really benefit local communities can you get you can make millions from wildlife tourism when they reintroduced uh ospreys certain uh -huh. parts of scotland uh -huh. um that brought in loads of people like bird spotters same that's in yellowstone after the wolves they brought in millions of people to the park in the off season because that's when the wolves are around or oh, more that's a very good point and if you make these places accessible as well um, to communities, A, they're going to feel more involved in it, more invested in it. But B, it's brilliant for our own mental and physical health as yep. well, just to be actually exposed to and spending time in genuinely wild and natural environments. That'd be interesting to think, uh, you know, grandkids could be going down the road to see some, see some wolves and bears. That would be very cool. So, Lloyd, shy of filling my garden with trees... <laughs> which I can't do. Or bears. Or bears, which would be great. But again, but again, we would not recommend. I'm not sure I can do that. My very tiny garden. <laughs> what What can I do? Well, it's, it's one of those topics where people can't, the listener can't really get involved in the same way that you could for, you know. Plastics and stuff. Plastics and the recycling and mm. sustainable eating. But I think it's quite a, a nice and really interesting topic. And it's something that 
if people are aware of because we we're talking earlier about um you need human populations to be open to these things. reintroductions certainly i think that, that yeah it's, it's nice that but people get to hear these success stories and even though there is you know you need, you need to sort of temper some enthusiasm mm. with backed up scientific evidence yeah. in places because uh, it's not all species introductions work no they do sometimes fail but there are some really nice success stories and we could benefit a lot from it and just having people aware through things like this podcast yay yay <laughs> yeah i agree I, I believe that you know with knowledge and understanding comes enthusiasm and if you do have a bit of spare time you can give your time to kind of volunteering with conservation charities and actually get involved in like your local rewilding or reforestation schemes as well. So well, rewilding Britain um, and rewilding Europe, I think both accept uh, donations. Ah, that we cold hard cash, guys. Cold hard cash. But when you're talking about the enjoyment of um, our natural spaces, mm. the one of the first people to suggest uh, rewilding as a serious tool, um, Paul Martin. He there's a really nice quote in uh, one of his early early works where he said in the 1960s he said <clears throat> to behold the Grand Canyon without thoughts of its ancient sloths goats and condors is to be half blind. Gosh, nicely followed by you smacking the microphone. Yes, really added a, a little, little reverberation gong. to the end. <laughs> that that is quite powerful though. Yes, yeah. I, I appreciate that a lot. That is a good. As you said, especially for a nature-poor country like the UK, mm. especially I think we could do a lot of good. I wonder if anyone has that as a really bad tattoo. I would be very... <laughs> there's a lot to fit on. It'd have to be somewhere like the back. The whole the whole back, yeah. Gosh. If you've got an interesting wildlife tattoo, then please <laughs> send it in to us. We'd love to hear about it. So we'll probably leave it there on that topic. Yeah. And let us know if you do get involved. If you do plant a tree, I would love to see it send us pictures oh, of your saplings beautiful uh it's quite a brief introduction into reforestation rewilding uh, rewilding 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 um <laughs> but hopefully yeah th there are some really interesting stories out there so please do uh go and go and find them uh, do a bit of research yourself it's really interesting and if you come across projects hopefully now you understand a little bit more What's about why on? we should support them Precisely. and why they're a smashing idea now it's probably a good opportunity as well to say to people that we've got um some merchandise oh yes on the store might as well plug we that are. on again uh, so as, we've got some t-shirts and some tote bags we have got like? some some lovely uh, sustainable cotton t-shirts yes. and, and a cheeky all through t-mill like a very sustainable yeah. brand absolutely printed on organic cotton with uh, low waste dyes Beautiful. and printed to order as well so yep. there's no kind of wasted no uh, thousands materials. of t-shirts in a warehouse somewhere oh no, gosh no <laughs> thousands um, imagine if thousands of people bought t-shirts <laughs> so if you'd like to buy something um oh hear the desperation in Lloyd's to voice our social please <laughs> you can head to it's, our social media um and pop anything on there we'd be super grateful it's it's very important to stress that we actually barely make any money out of these t-shirts yeah. we just thought they were really fun and liked the idea of partnering and all with the money as well we don't we don't put it in our pocket it goes back into the podcast so like for uh equipment the, our, our journeys traveling and to each other to record yeah and equipment we, like you said yeah yeah because we do all of this for free but it would just be nice every now and again to i don't know pay a bit less for a super super expensive train journey between the two of us yes but um so that's that's one quite do we cool sound too desperate to, possibly we'll roll we'll rein it in i'm not we're not used to having merchandise to plug <laughs> i'm just really excited but, um, we're, we're wearing t-shirts right now <laughs> i wear mine all the time 
all the time. You might be able to go, go on social media as well three and different see colours. little <laughs> little photo shoot. Oh dear. Yeah, but that's just, that's just a fun little way to support the podcast if yeah. you did feel so inclined. But other than that, of course, Lloyd's favourite. Keep the conversation going. Yes. Keep in touch on social touch media. Uh, so I'm going to quiz you this time. We're on Instagram at what if put no that's what twitter you always get this wrong for, uh okay let's switch you're on instagram we're on instagram at did, wait did you just bail yes oh, for what it's earth podcast thank you twitter what earth pod email for what it's earth pod at gmail.com am i forgetting something facebook and facebook for what it's earth podcast perfect come and find us come and say hello yes please do until next time lovely listeners yes goodbye for now Thank mm-hmm. you.